Today I'm speaking to author, journalist, teacher, and writer Arielle Gore, who has just published her new book, Hexing the Patriarchy, 26 Potions, Spells, and Magical Elixirs to Embolden Resistance. Welcome. Thank you. So to start, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit what a hex is, as in hexing the patriarchy, and where that term comes from. Well, I mean, the term hex actually originally is more related to hag and meant just a witch or a comedian or a slut. Basically, anybody the patriarchy doesn't like, they were called a hex. Um, And then the term kind of evolved to mean more specifically someone who's practicing witchcraft and then more specifically kind of a negative spell. So, you know, you might say like there are healers and there are hexers. So the healers are going to focus on healing themselves and people in their community and the hexers are going to focus on, you know, putting the patriarchs and the rapists and the capitalists out of business. Um, And in this book, we use the term kind of more neutrally or positively, and then sometimes negatively, too. It's It's a spell that is cast kind of to affect change. Mm-hmm. Your book contains 26 potions, spells, and magical elixirs. Can you give us some example of some of these spells we could use to smash the patriarchy? Yes. Um, so there's, and they're all contributed by different magical makers and brujas and witches and olorishas. So people from all types of magical traditions contributed their different spells. So one of them is justice jars and you can bottle up your rage with broken glass and uh, vinegar and all kinds of things and, and bury these jars maybe on the root of a white supremacist march or something like that to, to disempower their agenda. Um, there's a spell for instructions for making puppets. And so you can literally make a dolly of a rapist or a person who is abusing their power and stick pins in it. And that tradition is more kind of widely known as voodoo dolls, but it also comes to us from European traditions of magic. A lot of the, it's interesting when you start looking at all the different magical traditions, that there are a lot of cross-cultural traditions that that people have used all over the world. Um, you know, some of the hexes are kind of more unexpected, where, you know, someone will be, make a playlist to empower themselves when they have to go meet with a social worker or some other representative of the patriarchy and, you know, to just embolden themselves. And I like that, those contributions a lot as well, because you don't really think of that as like, oh, this is witchcraft. But that is what everyday witchcraft looks like for a lot of practitioners. Um, There's a 
a growl spell just about starting your own band as a cover for your coven, which is kind of cool. And again, something that you don't necessarily think of as magical and yet songs are spells, right? There's um, a priestess of Yamaya contributed a ritual that really anyone can do. Her tradition is initiatory, but she knew that this book was going to be out there for everyone. And so she specifically contributed a ritual that's open to both initiates and non-initiates or people who are just kind of trying out different kinds of magic. All the spells in the book were really geared towards everyone so it's not like oh you can't do this because it's you know for whatever reason all the spells are are for everyone how did you go about collecting all of these spells from different traditions well i gotta say like after the 2016 election specifically pretty much everyone i knew who had any kind of magical training was reinitiating themselves dusting off their magic wand maybe people had been you know never taken a break were really moving in a more hardcore direction with their political magic and so it was you know quite easy to reach out to um, a lot of witches that I either knew or was acquainted with in some way and then I also travel a lot and you know, was specifically looking for people who wanted to contribute something. There's a a Thai witch who grew up practicing Thai witchcraft, but is more just personally drawn to Western witchcraft. And he wanted to contribute a spell that um, includes runes. And it's a spell that he and his colleagues used um, to protect themselves during some political violence in Bangkok. Um, and so really I've kind of, you know, cast a, a pretty broad net um, in terms of I- inviting people to contribute a spell. And then a lot of times it would actually, some kind of magical thing would happen. Like I um, did a residency at this aquarium lab slash wit store in Minneapolis called The Future and wrote a lot of the book there and collected a lot of the spells while I was doing that residency. And I was coming to the end of the residency and the end of writing the book. And I didn't have a spell for Z and in walked Zion, who was part of the Portland uh, school of astrology. And so I was like, Zion, your letter is Z right about the Zodiac. So, um, so coincidence and, and research and and just talking to all the the witches that I knew who were really amping up their practice to do some social justice work. So I want to talk a little bit about hexing and its association with curses. So I have heard it said that if you curse somebody or you put a curse on somebody, the power of that will come back to you either. I've heard three times, I've heard a hundred times. 
And so I think that would yes. make people hesitate to... Right. Um, Some people subscribe to that belief. And there are, throughout the the hexes in the book and the spells in the book, there is sometimes a reference to that. Like, if you believe in that, don't hex a specific person, but rather an ideology. Or what my position is with that is... You know, don't hex anyone if you wouldn't sign off on the same punishment for your son or your cat. You know, um, it's not going to, you know, if you say, like, I'm binding rapists. Well, it's only going to come back to you if you're starting to abuse your power. And then you will be bound from that, maybe. Um, So wouldn't it's something I don't really worry about. And in my experience, it's not true. Um, but of course, you know, you do want to be careful about just kind of willy-nilly hexing, you know, your roommate who you're mad at for, you know, taking the cap off the toothpaste or something. It's something to be, to think about deeply and um, to consider. And a lot of the the spells in the book actually are by people who are much more hesitant to kind of hex their oppressors. And so the spells are more about, you know, protecting your own heart or, you know, protecting your own community or empowering families who are in transition or things like that, where it, where the, the work does feel kind of more positive um, but, you know, it's also true that throughout history, people have survived by sometimes hexing their oppressors. And so there is a survival magic involved. What do you mean by magic? You, you write at the beginning of the book that all pre-capitalist societies believed in magic. Yes. So what is magic? Well, magic is in you know, in one thing if we think about it as a sort of an anti capitalist thing, is that you get something without having to have your labor exploited. So you might cast a spell to get your rent money together and so you're doing that outside of the capitalist system. Um, magic is working with the unseen and creating the effect that that you're looking for. So whether it's spells or something that just kind of happens that seems to be unexpected or un, kind of worked for in that classical capitalist training that we have that says, you know, work hard and you'll have a good life, which you know, we found that that's not really true, that most of the hardest working people are poor and most of the people who don't work at all um, are the wealthy. So that's not, it turns out that that's not true. So, so magic is just a way of working with the unseen and working with your resources. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't also do things in the physical world. So you might 
cast a spell of protection around yourself and your fellow street protesters and you will still go out and do your street protest or you will still um, go to court on behalf of people more marginalized than yourself. So you're still doing work in the scene world, but it's being kind of bolstered by this energetic focus. I think of, of magic as a way of focusing personal power for the greater good. How did you get started doing magic? Would you talk a little bit about your your journey, how you discovered this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was brought up by my stepdad was a excommunicated Catholic priest who was who saw his spirituality as very much aligned with social justice issues. And so that was my background was that, that politics and the kind of lefty politics and spirituality were friends. And I, you know, a lot of my um, friends and, and colleagues didn't grow up with that. They grew up with religion equals, you know, someone trying to control you and someone trying to take away your spiritual authority um, and so that's not, that was never my association with the spiritual world. But um, I initiated myself as a witch when I was 21. I was a single mom. I was surviving on welfare. It was the middle of the family values campaign. Um, family court was making my life uh living hell. And so there was all all these factors that I felt like I had no control over. And I was just learning about feminism. And feminism pretty much led me directly to witchcraft. And it was a way of taking that power back. I mean, the cool thing about magic and witchcraft and I want to say that, you know, you don't have to believe or anything new to practice magic. You don't have to renounce your other religious affiliations to practice magic. But with witchcraft or any type of magic, there's always something you can do. So, you know, if you need to get your rent money together, there's a spell for that. If you need to psych yourself up for, you know, walking to, into a situation where what the patriarchy is doing to you, what their tactic is, is to rob you of your confidence and your sense of worth, you can build that back up. And I, so that was really appealing to me as opposed to a more kind of hierarchical religion that would say, you know, if you follow these rules, and basically smile in the face of your own oppression, maybe you'll go to heaven someday. And so that worldview didn't work for me at all. And what worked for me was really learning how to focus energy and, you know, number one, transcend my own training as a, you know, white, you know, person living on 
occupied land as a person who was trained to believe that capitalism was going to do something for me. So to transcend that, um, but also to, to find my, my own power again and to be like, yeah, this is, this is my family and this is what it looks like and we're going to survive. You talked about feminism and it leading you directly to witchcraft. Could you talk a little bit about what the connection is between feminism and witchcraft for you? Sure. And, you know, not that every feminist is a witch, but I think the, that the politics of feminism is intrinsically connected to the politics of kind of the witch archetype. You know, we historically the witch burnings and genocides um, and trials were about disempowering women. So it was about enforcing misogyny and it was about making way for capitalism. And so it makes kind of perfect sense that when we're trying to undo misogyny, we come to witchcraft. When we're trying to undo capitalism, we come to witchcraft. All these magical traditions are also very earth-based. And so environmentalism also, you know, leads to a lot of these pagan traditions. Um, for me, I mean, the kind of the witch archetype and talking about when I was first initiated myself was about, I can be the head of a household. Like I don't need to be married and those kinds of things that you know, are sort of no duh to me now, but I was getting a lot of pushback for n not calling my family broken um, or things like that. I have the authority to be the head of my household. That was my choice and it was a valid choice and female power is not a scary thing. Um, and so kind of coming into all that, that, feminism teaches us often in a more secular way was finding the spirituality that went along with that. And, you know, in those, uh, you know, when I was, when time I'm talking about when I was in my early twenties, um, it was the early nineties. I was living in Northern California. And so there was a community of kind of eco-feminist witches um, and it was very easy to find people practicing witchcraft, to find like women in spirituality conferences or, you know, the, the mother peace tarot, all that was kind of going on in my geographical community. And even though I was fairly introverted and didn't, you know, move in these large circles, um, there, the resources were there. And so that was really helpful to me. And then later um, I moved back down to the Bay Area where I was from originally and the magic that I came into contact there was um, tended to be more Arisha based and was um, much more um, from a West African origin 
Um, and then later years, I lived in Portland, where people were practicing more European-based uh, mysteries. And then even more recently, I started getting into spiritualism, which is an, an American um, tradition that started in the 1840s here in the in the U.S. So that's something that more of my immediate ancestors were part of. And so, you know, if you think of like your grandma with her Ouija board um, or people doing seances, and they were a lot of them actually identified as Christians, but the these were magical traditions that they were involved in. You talk about magic as not just about influencing physical realities or outcomes, but also about retrieving the energy um, that patriarchy has taken from us. How does magic or magical spells help us to take our energy back? Well, it's, if our training in patriarchy or, you know, in the, globalism in general is, you know, if, if you're not making money, you're not good enough. If we don't, you know, if, if capitalism doesn't say you're good enough, you're not good enough. And so we get in the habit, I think, a lot of times of handing our power over to those ideas. And that's part of the scam. And so I think a huge part of witchcraft and magic in general is about reclaiming that power and refusing to hand our power off indiscriminately. Um, And so a lot of the spells in the book, like you were talking about hexing and, you know, that some people do feel uncomfortable with it and that's, and that's fine. And, you know, it's okay to examine, well, where's that discomfort coming from? Is it coming from the patriarchy? Is it something I need to let go of? Um, Or, am I just uncomfortable with hexing magic? And if you are just uncomfortable with it, it's absolutely not required. But these things where you're reclaiming your own power and kind of refocusing in your own spiritual authority are so important. I mean, even if, you know, how when you walk into a meeting, if you're walking in feeling incredibly confident, that has a magical effect. It changes the dynamic in an unseen way. Whereas if you're walking into a meeting thinking, you know, oh my gosh, I'm as ugly as they've told me, I'm overweight, uh, you know, I, and that's bad. And all, you know, all the sort of negative things that are pushed on us to get us into a kind of, already defeated state when we walk in. Um, and I, I just feel like magic has helped me tremendously with shifting my internal power, which just shifts the energy in the room. It doesn't mean that I necessarily prevail in every circumstance, but um, it certainly increases my chances of prevailing if I am controlling the energy around me if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. One last question. You describe writing as your go-to conjure method. 
And you also talk about the ways in which you work with hidden worlds involving use of language, um, music, and symbolism. Could you talk a little bit about how these are ways to conjure magic? Yes, I mean, I think that writing can be a spell. I mean, I have, uh, I wrote a novel called We Were Witches in which I, I consciously kind of went back. It's like half memoir, half novel. And I consciously went back to a lot of different scenes in my own history and kind of gave my character more power or maybe gave my character more of a witness. So it wasn't like, I, in the story, the bad things didn't happen, but I maybe let the moon wink at me when they were happening or something like that in the story. And so by doing that, I kind of created a spell that went back into all those scenes and kind of took back whatever energy or power that I had left there. That was my idea. And I, I felt like it worked. So, so you were rewriting your past. Yeah. Um, and so, and it, it was very, it was a very healing thing for me to do. In other ways, I'll often uh, use m- more of the unseen sort of to get me ideas. Like I'll use tarot cards to plot a story or to find out what happens to a character next. Or I use a lot of automatic rating techniques. Um, There's one technique in the book that um, is under the letter I, under infinite intelligence, and that's a very spiritualist uh, exercise for contacting people who have passed on. So whether it's your own ancestors or um, someone else, And using techniques like that to talk about a writing project or to learn stories that maybe somebody who's passed on would like to see told. Uh, I teach a magical writing class, and and one of the writers in that class currently is talking about, you know, I am a writer, I am an artist because of my ancestors who couldn't do that. And I thought that was a, a cool way to think about it. So it's not like she's telling their stories exactly, but the fact that she has the emotional and social opportunity to be a writer is partly she sees that as a tribute to her ancestors who didn't have that opportunity. Um, so I think there's a kind of a million ways to to work with magic as a writer or as an artist. And honestly, I, as a writer, I need magic. You know, the publishing industry is so harsh and the world I live in is often so artist that, that I seriously need magic to, to just keep being a, a working writer. What do you hope people will take away from reading this book? Well, I hope that they will hex the patriarchy and we will get rid of the system once and for all. Um, I also think that it's 
it's just really healing to to be able to to do something um a lot of us if you know these political times are causing us to be depressed or maybe we used to be more street protesters and now we're kind of at home with the curtains drawn and what can we do to kind of pick up our morale and remember that we're all in this together and that there are a lot of us who are really on the same page and, and, and are drawing on all our resources that both, you know, magical, um, practical in all the ways, you know, we've got lawyers going to court, we're each doing our own little thing. And so, um, to just, you know, remember that we're, that there are a whole bunch of us and, and we're going to be okay. I am Suzanne Legrand, and today my guest has been journalist, teacher, and writer Ariel Gore talking about her new book, Hexing the Patriarchy, 26 Potions, Spells, and Magical Elixirs to Embolden Resistance. Thanks so much. Thank you. Get up, get up. Mm-hmm.